Hi everyone. Oh man, what an episode. We scheduled for an hour, but we spoke for over two hours. If you don't know Kush already, you'll remember her after this episode. Kush is a lecturer, principal of a college, homeopath and nutritional therapist. We talk about toxicity, detoxification processes and how nutrition should be personalised through health coaches in the 21st century. Also, don't forget to like, share, follow and subscribe to keep this channel going. Thank you so much and enjoy. There you go, yeah. So yeah, you were saying that you do posts and things like that. It's not about to sell. It's just literally passing on the message more or less, right? Yeah, so so even when I do, you know, when I've posted on, um, the recent one was on a Miprazole. And, and that post was because I had just seen a client who is on so many medications, but a lot of them will start with one medication. And that's fine because you know what? If somebody's got type one diabetes and they need insulin, they need insulin. You're not going to sit at home and try to balance your blood sugar and take homeopathic remedies and nutritional remedies to try and cure your type one diabetes. And nobody says that we are curing. It's the body that cures when the body's in the right environment, whether, you know, the physical environment, the nutritional environment, energetically, the body can heal. It's just giving it the right materials. But if you've got somebody who needs a hormone, you know, you need insulin, you're not going to give that in a nutrition form. And it's about being mindful. But when people start on a medication, for example, amiprazole, you know, we ask the question first, why is there acid reflux? And amiprazole is a very common medication. And sadly, it's also being prescribed to children, young children. Wow. Um, but, you know, we ask, what, why does somebody have acid reflux? What's the reason? Is it stress? You know, how many of us will go to the doctor and we have acid reflux? And does the doctor ever say, are you stressed? I mean, some doctors may do that, which is great. But, you know, the question is, are you stressed? You know, are you constipated? Because constipation can cause acid reflux. You know, certain medications, if you're taking certain medications, can cause acid reflux. There's so many reasons. Lo being low in magnesium can cause acid reflux. There's so many reasons that can cause acid reflux that it's not an amiprazole deficiency. It's it's something else. Or a Gaviscon deficiency. Or a, Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's, I think... Part of it is we do live, you know, I always say this to the students as well, 21st century lifestyle, it's go, go, go. And some people say, you know, they and then they make time, they slot in time for meditation, they slot in time to go for a walk. And it's all like checking the tick list. But, you know, this whole movement towards being in you know, a self-compassionate and mindfulness, and it might be overused, you know, the word mindfulness, the word, you know, being self-compassionate. But it's so important because mo even practitioners burn out. You know, they're giving so oh, much, yeah. so much, but we don't look after ourselves. You know, what are we doing to not necessarily slow down, but how how are we living our daily life? Um, it, it's just, I think even with nutritional therapy, you know, the, the students that are studying at the school right now say to them that you could, out of this two-year diploma course, you may choose to actually connect with a few pharmacists, with a few doctors, and say, I would just like to go through their medication with them and see, are there any contraindications? What are the nutrient depletions? And that could save so much, so many issues, health issues from happening in the future. So certain, you know, certain medications, I mean, birth control pill, a typical oh, example. Yeah. And I'm not saying don't take the birth control pill. That's, you know, the woman's choice, you know, man's choice, whenever I that read, comes I, out, I, whatever. I, I, <laughs> I read that. I read that it can actually when people, who, women who take um, the birth control pill, it can attract them to the wrong person. Huh. Okay. I mean, if you think about it, what you're doing is 
one yes i you know some people I've, i did a post this is a while back about the birth control pill and the nutrients it depletes and then i did have some backlash about well this is women's rights and it's you know freedom for which is absolutely true you know gone are the days where you suddenly fall pregnant you know you don't have the birth control pill and you're fall pregnant i mean women still fall pregnant if they don't if they're on the birth control pill, mm -hmm. it's not for you know 100 percent proof but the important thing is like you just said one is we are what is the birth con control pill doing okay how is it how is it kind of um tweaking the hormones or making the body think that it's pregnant or it's having a period you know you you take certain medic certain pills you stop and then you have the bleed and then you restart it again so you're actually controlling your hormonal system externally now if you're controlling it externally it's bound to have certain side effects but the birth control pill has um sadly de uh, nutrient depletions for example b12 yeah. zinc vitamin c and um, the folate these are all very important for conception so if a woman is taking the birth control pill but it solves acne what are you talking about of course it does dianet right <laughs> but then I, I you know i hear you omar but again the question is why do we have acne in the first place some teenagers you'll see them they will go through that stage of acne you know when it's just a few spots here and then and bless them you know at that age they are more sensitive they are they are more self-conscious in how they look but there is a stage where eventually they outgrow the acne because their hormones are still finding a rhythm and so prescribing a medication sure it helps. It might help their self-confidence. It might help them get them out this glitch. But once you've stopped the antibiotics or once you've stopped the birth control pill, you can end up at square one where you started or especially with antibiotics, you know, that can create a whole load of other issues because of the microbiome. I mean, we know about the microbiome. We know so much more about it now than when I did my um, my master's dissertation was in the microbiome and it was like like this thin. Wow. Now, if I had to do it, what, 23 years later, it would be, you know, from the top, <laughs> bottom, you know, from the bottom up, because there's so much more known about the microbiome. And again, these some these medications also impact the microbiome. So long to, we're not thinking, you know, what what the what seems to be more common is that we're not thinking about 10 years time. Or, yeah. you know, when you get to sort of my age. And Everyone seems thinking. to think about right now, isn't it? Which is probably not, it's not. I mean, I've never thought of life that way. Maybe when I was younger, when I didn't think straight. But nowadays, we always have to think 10 years ahead, 20 years ahead. Like, how's this going to affect me? How's it going to affect my life? Isn't it? Yeah, what, I mean, what, what are the long-term impacts? And I'm not, and I've, and I've said this before, I'm not against medication at all. If you need medication, you need to get out of that, you know, sort of like a dip, so be it. You know, you, bus hits you and you need morphine, take morphine. Nobody's, you know, you need to put a metal plate in your leg, put a metal plate in your leg, because there's some people who will say, oh, I don't want metal in. I don't know about having a, a hip replacement because the metal, I might react to the metal, might get an autoimmune condition. And it just goes on and on and on. And I think also our mindset, if we think like that, we're just going to attract it. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, but it's more about being aware of the choices that we're making. And I think it, it is changing, you know, medicine is definitely changing, especially since COVID. You know, there are more people who are aware and will question, you know, especially clients that I, you know, I've had during COVID and since COVID, um, who will, and the, but then you've got the extremes. 
you know they want the pill to, they don't want to do anything else they don't want any blood tests they don't want to go and see their doctor because they believe the doctor's going to put them on medications or they're going to find something because they work for pharma you know these extremes i always believe you know what if you can get a blood test done on the nhs go and get it done yeah. find out what your ferritin levels are like find out what the iron's doing find your vitamin d levels although that's another story because it and cholesterol as well is another story as well yeah. isn't it <laughs> yeah because there's, there's other things behind some of the tests that they do but just get a rough idea you know i had a lady several um months ago and she was losing a lot of hair felt really lethargic and had um was also getting breathless and she was saying you know it's, it's since covid since covid and I said to her, when was the last time you did your blood test? And it, her last blood test was well before COVID. Wow. And, um, and I said, and she said, oh, because I can't get an appointment. I, you know, can't see my doctor anymore. I said, have you tried just turning up at the surgery or just calling them or sending them an email saying this is, I'm really desperate. This is my situation or go to A&E. Um, she ended up going to see her doctor and her ferritin levels were very, very low as well as her eye and her red blood cells. And you know, all she needed was just to increase our iron levels That's and for, for, for those that don't know ferritin is it's a storage form of iron okay. so it's like the backups if you run out of iron your body will go and get the iron from the ferritin our body's so smart you know it's got backups i always say that with people who are now doing sort of dna testing as well because some people who do the dna testing and they feel like oh they're doomed they're going to get alzheimer's they're going to get dementia because you know there's all these snips that you can look for which are amazing because actually it's more about prevention um, but some people get so alarmed and they start, you know, sort of worrying about, oh, my gosh. But actually, this is about prevention. You find out that you've got an issue with, say, um, lipid metabolism. You then know you can improve your diet. You can improve your lifestyle. You know, I've got a, a SNP in one of my um, antioxidant enzymes, which means I benefit from exercising, from particular type of exercising. So it increases my um, antioxidant enzyme. And it's just wonderful to, and yeah, you might think, well, doesn't everybody need to exercise? But actually there are some people who have some of the SNPs that create more inflammation. So it's supporting their inflammation. So, you know, for example, if somebody's going to become an athlete or decide that they're going to go professional with basketball or some sport, you know, it's a great way of knowing how to prevent injuries, you mm -hmm. know, long-term injuries that might have a long-term impact. So it's not about, oh, you know, scare tactics. It's just about becoming more empowered. So Definitely. the understanding, and it's the same with medications. I mean, some clinics now in England on the NHS are now doing DNA testing for medications to see wow. which medications will actually suit you and which ones won't that will produce side effects or That's more amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that because when I went for my blood test, when I mentioned to you earlier, just for the listeners, um, I was saying to Kush earlier that because of her post saying that, you know, take a blood test is free. Why not? And I was like, Do you know what, actually take it while it's free anyway, because we know what's going to happen soon is so you're going to end up paying for it probably, isn't it? When I went there and I was waiting and a patient came up to reception and I was actually pleasantly shocked by this because I've heard he's like, oh, um, I've been getting some side effects with my statin and the doctor said for two weeks to take come off it and see what happens. And when I heard that, I was like, wow, that is a good sign. Like the doctors actually thought about it, said, OK, it might be the statin, no matter how much money it makes them. And it's taken often to see what, what decided whether it is because of the statin. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that was quite profound for me because it just shows that, okay, there is 
a change happening somewhere? Oh, there's definitely a change. There's definitely a change. I mean, there's a conference in June um, and it was a, I can't oh, forget the, t uh, the title. It's run for four days and there were a lot of doctors there, a lot of like yoga teachers or people from all sorts of backgrounds. And it was really a lot to do with functional medicine, so like nutritional medicine. And um, it was it's really interesting to see how many doctors are moving that way. Because I think some of them are seeing, you know, this. there's only so much they can do on the NHS and their hands are tied. So I don't even think, you know, it, it's we should be. And, and there's no blame to anybody. I mean, you know, I've got um, again, when I post on Facebook as well and talk about a certain medication and, every, you know, farmers making money. And, you know, I'm still of that belief. I still, um, you know, call me naive, whatever. But I still do believe that pharma is doing some benefit you know we end up in a &E, we need surgery we need an anesthetic you know oh my gosh can you imagine what it would be like now but watching you know i don't know whether you've seen the um the series uh painkiller there's a series uh, called painkiller I, 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 so guys at work have spoken about it i'm just so busy i don't yeah. really watch netflix or tv at all because i'm yeah. just like i'm so focused on what i want to do but yeah um when i'm doing like assignments and stuff it's on in the background and i know the story anyway i'm sure you do know the story so it's like i'm just seeing it in live action that's the difference yeah. and it's and i hear what you're saying i find what was again watching it thinking gosh can is this possible that some people think that it doesn't matter what the drug is about. It doesn't matter the side effects. Let's just cover them up and just make money, you know. And and it yes, it's true. There is greed. See the naives. There is greed, and people do this. But the question is, what? Are, always ask the question: Is there an alternative? Is there an alternative to the pain medication that I'm being prescribed? What is the pain medication? doing for me what is the pain that i'm in is there a reason for the pain is there another way of of working with the pain and especially i mean thinking you know op opioids is so addictive and that was the whole you know the whole series is is on the addiction and what it's and how many people died from um becoming addicted and the overdose it was actually i mean it, you don't go away feeling great you know you do feel it, it yeah. does if i that's, that's what i've heard that's what I've heard. Like everyone who's watched yeah. it, they don't feel great after watching it. And um, yeah. it's interesting yeah. the feedback that I heard for, about that painkiller show, series, um, yeah. that series. And they were like, I can't believe this happens. And my response was, it happens all the time. And uh, is this, this went one in one ear and out the other, and which is expected. I'm not, you know, make, yeah. I'm not, I don't make a, back in the day when I first got into this, I was like, how can, you know, it's like, can you not believe yeah. this? Like, how can you not make a big issue out of this? But now it's like, do you know what? Let people be how they want to be. There's going to be people out there who are interested. And if they are interested, I'll answer, I'll speak to them. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. And it, and that's, that's always the, you know, even clients who've got, med who are on medication and they, they don't have any, um, any what's the, they don't want to come off their medication they just want support unless we find out okay do you know your x y and z is creating your itchy skin and this happens itchy skin is one of the side effects of especially when somebody's taking quite a few medications they can start getting side effects from the itchy skin uh, from from the medication which can be itchy skin which is normally again in it from a naturopathic perspective we see it as a liver you know a liver thing going on um they then they can go and get their liver test done and again, you know, Omar, we talk about, you know, when I said, and I encourage people to do that, go and get blood tests done regularly because they're there. The NHS, you know, where everybody pays their taxes. They should be making, you know, making use of the of these tests. 
but you don't have to do them you know every couple of months but some women have found out by having their tests done oh they feel better because somehow their tsh levels were high which is thyroid um and i've just written a blog on that actually just um a few days it. I've, ago. Read it. I've read it but you know again it doesn't mean just because their tsh is high that they should go on thyroxine there's so many things you can do and it doesn't necessarily mean it's a it's a thyroid issue but it actually allows the person to say okay i'm not going crazy you know there is something here this is yeah. why i'm feeling really tired i've done all the intermittent fasting i i do hit i do this and they're not losing weight and they're feeling tired and then they're feeling low you know then why just why not stop yeah re reset rethink what else might be going on yeah, and a lot of the time, you know, there is a lot of stress around, you know, there's so much um, of this hypervigilant state. Now people are, you know, and again, overused about fight, fright, freeze and fawn. But people are, they're living in kind of this hypervigilant state. And again, it's about, OK, being mindful, self-compassionate. You know, why? Why are we doing what we do every single day when we wake up in the morning? What are we doing when we wake up? Yeah. You know, again, we, you know, I mentioned this um, to one of my clients uh, just last week. Um, she did um, a test called the Dutch Plus test. And again, she did it because of her hormones and the stuff she's going through with her hormonal changes. And we went and the biggest thing that really screamed out at me was her morning cortisol awakening response. Now, the cortisol awakening response is so naturally in the morning, our cortisol spikes in the morning that's called the cortisol awakening response and it's a healthy response it's what you want when you wake up in the morning you naturally wake up you're not kind of walk, walking into the shower with your eyes closed having a shower and then waiting for your coffee and then suddenly you become awake this is this is what's supposed to wake you up and that is from the adrenals that's your adre healthy adrenal response now her cortisol awakening response was sky high it was off the charts and what and, test did she take to find out about that so she, so I, it was actually a Dutch plus test. Oh, right, okay. um, you can do it on its own, but on its own, it doesn't give the bigger picture. You don't then actually learn about the adrenal, you know, the overall adrenal reserve. Okay. So um, well, hold, yeah. hold on to that thought because um, I know you got so much to say and I haven't even <laughs> introduced you to everyone yet. <laughs> so now let's just take a step back um so who am i uh, no. <laughs> and before we do that i want to say congratulations because um oh, recently you. you were recently you were promoted to auntie g weren't you yes I was so uh, for the listeners that don't know what that was all about and from a south asian um background for, for listen for those listeners who are not from our South Asian background, could you just explain what that means? Yeah, so um, I can't even remember. Oh, yeah, so we went to see the um, the sisters, you know, the from Pakistan. They were amazing. They did um, their show was amazing, and um, so it's really the the audience was mainly South Asian. And then at the end, we went to um, my husband was going to use the loos, and so I was waiting outside. And these youngsters walked by and they accidentally, one of them accidentally trod on my foot. And he said, oh, sorry, Auntie G, sorry, Auntie G. And, you know, that's the first time ever somebody called me Auntie G who doesn't actually know me. So, yeah, of course, I've got nieces and nephews and cousins who call me, you know, Auntie G or Masi G, whatever. And I was just like, 
oh my gosh, I've been promoted, um, which basically means that they sort of saw me as an elder and the G is kind of like a sign of respect. And it made me laugh because it was so out of the blue. I'm just waiting. And it was just amazing. The music was amazing. So I was a bit sort of slightly high in inverted commas. Yeah. And um, and the way they just sort of put their arm, he put my hand on my shoulder and I said, it's OK, it's OK. But what really dawned on me, I thought, yeah, I've been promoted. Yes, and um and the and the funny thing was I thought yeah because my the other day a few weeks ago I went over to my auntie's house and the first yeah. thing my auntie said as I walked in she said oh my gosh you're grey I'm like <laughs> you know it happens to all of us and she's yeah. older than, she's a few years older than me and I said it happens to all of us she said she goes diet just diet because it doesn't look good and I think you know it's it's that whole, whole hilarious thing oh diet it, not diet yeah di diet <laughs> diet hair, sorry yeah thinking of food yeah. and I thought you know what and that's the whole thing about being promoted to auntie G is you've got it I you know I've got the gray hair I look older now you're at the next stage of life now absolutely, isn't it absolutely <laughs> absolutely and I just and it made I mean it made my it made me smile but also sort of made my heart warm that somebody who's didn't know me but of the same background that sign of you know not just like oh sorry you yeah. know sorry but it's sorry auntie G, sorry you know yeah, it's just yeah, such yeah. a i don't know how to explain it but it's heartwarming at the same time as well yeah yeah, yeah definitely definitely um i don't think i've been called uncle g yet um but if it does happen no. i'm just gonna i'm just gonna embrace sure. it because i i know i know some people out there who just think Okay, I mean, I guess if you, internally, if you think you're young, that's fine. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, props to anyone who feels like that is fine. But um, for me, it will come to a stage where, you know, someone's going to call me Uncle G or Uncle, yeah. how you doing? And it's like... It was lovely. It was yeah. lovely. Yeah, it's a nice yeah. thing, isn't it? It's a nice thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so if you want to let the listeners know who you are and your credentials and what you've done before and what you're doing now. Yeah, so I am Kush and um, more than anything else, I'm, you know, I'm just a human being like everybody else. We laugh about it sometimes because I say to my boys because they're sort of influenced by some of these um, social media people. And I said to them, I said, you know, at the end of the day, they all put their underwear on, you know, the same way as we do. There's nothing different about them. And then, oh, God, you know, here we go again. <laughs> here but, we go um, with a lecture from our parents. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I, I'm Kush and I basically... So how have I ended up what I'm doing now? So I'm a nutritional therapist and a homeopath. I'm also just recently qualified as a coach in pain, pain therapy. Um, and my background is basically, it's, it's science-based. It was in the sciences. My first degree was in pharmacology and biochemistry, then went on to doing a master's. And then really what sort of where I had that a bit of a, an epiphany was in when I was doing my PhD. My PhD was in cancer research and it was pancreatic cancer and it was at King's. And towards the end of my PhD, I just really was, it was really hard work. I have to say it's not, you know, it was seven days a week because I was growing cell lines. So it involved going in at weekends. Sometimes I, rem I remember getting stuck in New York um, with my then, then not husband. Um, and, and what happened? It, we were snowed in and I then had to get in touch with the lab. And with a few of my colleagues saying, I really need your help because we need to feed the, you know, feed the animals and also um, grow, keep the cell lines growing. And when I say cell lines, so what we would, what I was doing, Omar, was when um, my professor would get uh, patients with pancreatic cancer, because that's the cancer we were specifically working on or my PhD was specifically on. They would be in surgery, so he'd be removing the cancer. That's what he's doing. He's a surgeon. And once they remove the cancer, I would collect it 
I'd go and have my gear on and with liquid nitrogen flask, collect the cancer, put it in the liquid nitrogen, bring it back to the lab and then try to grow the cells. What does it look like? The cancer? What does it look like? Just like a, like a massive tissue, really. Nothing okay, different. Is, just, it, is you know, it black? Um, is it uh, no, what, what color is no, it? Like? I'm just curious. Just the normal pink color, maybe a bit of white in it. Nothing, nothing different, okay. really. Um, that's a very interesting. So, question, yeah, so you picked it up. Yeah, yeah I'm just curious how because um, we never yeah. we all say, oh, this, you know, that you got cancer and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you yeah, actually yeah. taking it out and yeah. taking it but to another remember, lab. And also cancer is growing, right? If it's growing, it's going to have blood vessels. It's not, it wouldn't really be black unless it was dying or there's something else wrong with it. But generally it, it's like any sort of flesh um, and bring it back to the lab and then, you know, try to grow cell lines from it. So try to grow some cells from it. Sometimes the cells grew and it was great because then we could test which uh, was there a particular medication that would stop the growth of the cancer cells. That would be brilliant, but it didn't work that way because I was looking at particular um drugs that were um blocking what we call cholecystokinin b receptors didn't work for any of the cancers that i managed there were those that i did manage to grow those that didn't grow so and that was a really it was a full-time job it really was even going at weekends make sure we change the medium of the cells that were growing in the petri dish so a lot of a lot of hard work and it sounds towards, exhausting it was exhausting it was it was actually exhausting and i look back and i think oh my gosh you know, would I ever do that again? Not not in the same field, I don't think, but uh, I could easily do a PhD, I think, again, because it's just it's just you're doing something that you're passionate about, you know, choose a subject that you're passionate about and yeah. it doesn't feel like work. But it was the fact that we, you know, with my professors or people were flying over from different parts of the world as well. Anyway, so long story short, June towards the end of my PhD, I was feeling a bit like, okay, got to write it, just write the thesis, just write the thesis, because it was then really hard work, and then editing it, sending it to your supervisors, getting it back was a, a big deal. Those who have done PhDs probably understand what I'm talking about. Um, and then towards the end, I was given a book called, one, a book called A Time to Heal by Beata Bishop, which I still remember to this day. And secondly, in those days, we didn't have Google or any of that. You know, we're on, it was, I think it was Ask Jeeves or something. I typed so in. So funny. We were talking right. about that last night at our barbecue yesterday. It was Ask, Ask Jeeves. Uh, I think Yahoo had one. And there's one with a dog that we just couldn't remember what it was called. Those were the days where, you know. You what? know... I thought I was that old, but that's, I'm glad other people remember Ask Jeeves. <laughs> but it was really interesting because I, I remember, I even remember where I was sitting, the chair I was sitting in, and I was the only person left in the lab that day, everybody, because it was late. And I was just thinking, yeah. okay, you know, I've got to really, and I was writing my thesis as well, which was hard, you know, which wasn't, you have to be really inspired. And it really helped that I was running out of money, you know, funding money. So I had to get my thesis done. I typed in pancreatic cancer and vitamin C. That was it. And I thought, I really, I didn't know what to expect. I had no expectations. Lo and behold, all these research papers came up. I'm thinking, no, impossible. But what made you put in vitamin C into the search okay, box? Okay, because I had read. So some people, so, so I I started speaking with people about cancer, and some people started talking about, oh, have you heard about the Gerson therapy in Mexico? Um, and you know, if you go and start doing fasting and juicing, it cures cancer and what have you. Now, hear me out here, Omar. I thought that was all just quackery, ridiculous. How can you just juice and fast and cure cancer? Okay. First of all, and I'll always believe that it's the body that does the curing. 
Okay, it's the body. No practitioner can say to you or me or anybody else, yes, I can cure your cancer. Yes, I can cure your rheumatoid arthritis. It's not us. It's not the practitioner. It's the individual. It's their vital force. It's the nutrients that they take. It's the environment that they live in. It's the relationships that they have. It's the chatter between their ears. You know, it's all that. We are just like a vehicle. You know, we just happen to be the vehicle. But what makes, so that was one, and also the book, A Time to Heal. So once I typed that in, there was no going back. Either I choose to ignore it or, I, and then I thought, right. So I started chatting with my professor, started chatting with a few of the people in the laboratory. And one of my colleagues was actually, her PhD was on prostate cancer and looking at PSA levels. So do PSA levels actually give you an indication that that person has prostate cancer or what not. is psa levels what is psa uh, prostate sorry prostate specific antigen so it's a um, a protein that can be high when the prostate is inflamed um when there's something going on with the prostate it's not necessarily that there's prostate cancer okay so okay, yeah but what she was looking at was a link between psa and prostate cancer but also once you take the biopsy from the prostate cancer, does it increase the risk of the cancer spreading? And? And I think it was still dubious. Mm. But since then, there are papers to say that the cancer can spread. It doesn't mean it will spread in everybody, but there are papers to say that the cancer can spread from taking the biopsy. Um, and... And so what happened was, and they were just saying the same thing, get your head down, just write the thesis, you're nearly there. Because we're all in the same boat. We're all yeah, exhausted. Yeah. All, you know, got to the point where we've got to write our thesis, our money is running out, and we've got to get it done now. And most of us, uh, my PhD was, neg the, th we were the hypothesis was proven negative. So cholecystokinin B is not, wasn't involved in the growth of pancreatic cancer. There you go. And it's harder to write a PhD that's negative, you know, than say if it was positive. So um, as I started writing my PhD, I then as and typed in this pancreatic cancer and vitamin C. It wasn't just it, it, I could have typed in anything. You know, nowadays I might type in pancreatic cancer and antioxidants. OK, because vitamin C is also an antioxidant. Yeah. But what I discovered was um, the New York Post had this big article on Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez. And Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez um was called a quack he was in the pet you know this is what i and then i thought okay you know what he's working with pancreatic cancer and he's doing all this nutrition stuff and it's all woo woo maybe i shouldn't go down that way but something didn't sit right because there were other papers on vitamin c and and, and generally cancer long story short i got in i sort of started looking up his work and what he's doing but he couldn't really get much then on the internet all i could find was that he was um called a quack anyway um but he's working on the same type of cancer oh, with wow. his patients and he actually was a qualified mainstream doctor qualified in mainstream medicine and then kind of went in inverted commas alternative um i just actually heard his um team speak a few um in june and his wife spoke he's well um who's he's um wife who's now a widow spoke about his work and she's carried on the foundation and they're carrying on with his work which was wonderful to hear 
Um, and what they, he was basically doing was working out people's metabolic type. So do they do better with meat or with vegetarian type diets? You know, so he was, so it's very personalized and it was, you know, what we call biochemical, biochemical individuality. So individualized and also a lot of detoxing. Um, the patients were also uh, doing coffee enemas. So there's quite a lot going on. It was very intense. Um, but they... We'll go into how coffee enemas work for those that don't know. Because when I found out, I was like, and I said, oh, I said to my sister-in-law, um, because there was a show on ITV1, and basically they did a coffee enema where the celebrities went into like some sort of like retreat and they actually showed it how it's done and uh when i want to and it seems to give good results but it's a bit of it's a bit strange way of like i do wonder like who came up with the idea like oh let's try this you know you what know, I, mean? I, I have to say <laughs> i haven't dived into that though but it was um i know people use it to help with detoxing some people feel awful afterwards like they might get shaky because they're losing a lot of minerals so it does vary and i think you've it's about being mindful, you know, are you working with a practitioner? Are they then looking at your nutrient levels? You know, how, how is it impacting you? Because to be honest, I think doing any detox without um, understanding why you're doing it and where you're at, where you're at before, where you're at afterwards, it can be quite um, irresponsible in some ways. Yeah, definitely do it it with someone who's done it before and knows what they're doing because if you do it by yourself you're just asking for trouble because you never know what's going to happen and then you might end up having to go to hospital or something like that who knows and you know the other thing is you know the safest detox is cutting out sugar cutting out alcohol you know cutting out all your sweet foods cutting out your white refined carbohydrates balancing your blood sugar that's your your best detox yeah and then at the same time is you know detoxing you know thoughts mind working on mindset but i want to ask you a bit about detox a bit later because that's one of my main questions i wanted to ask um but on your journey to uh where you are now like what kind of um challenges did you come to get come across along the way okay so just quickly i just want to finish that off because so i discovered about dr nicholas gonzalez and his work with pancreatic cancer that then made me think right there's there's something here why would he get such backlash as well and there's published papers about antioxidants and cancer so that got me on my journey to actually ending up doing my masters in in human nutrition in the us and it just happened to go that way my husband was offered to start a, an office in new york and the course that i was eyeing up while i was in london yeah i had no idea to end up in the us was in in uh, bridgeport in um, the university of bridgeport which was like a two hours train journey it was one weekend a month for two years similar to the course we run now mm. and i tell you it i met i met the most amazing people but at the same time i met also some really challenging because i had met um, a nurse who was on the course because they really already had a nutrition background most of them i didn't have a nutrition background and although people think oh well you had your phd you had your blah blah but it wasn't nutrition based you know this is all very mainstream kind of medicine mainstream thinking we were looking at genes we were looking inside the cell in the genes we weren't looking at the whole person weren't nothing like that so um i then so one one of the students on the course was actually from philadelphia is a nurse or was a nurse is now was trained to be a nutritional therapist was working with a doctor that was working with kids with autism now this is all new to me okay I, I turn up at this course and they're all talking this lingo that I'm just like I have no idea what they're talking about but okay I'm going to learn all about it and we used to stay over 
at the weekends in a hotel because we'd travel, we'd stay and we all connected. And that's the beauty again, you know, which I love about the school that I run is that we're learning together because the connections I made and what I learned from each of the students and their journeys, um, there were mums, there were fathers, there were people who were running natural health food stores. And, and remember, this is you know, the east side and the, and also people from New York, people from Philadelphia. So well read. And this nurse was and I said to her, said, so are you telling me that you've got a doctor, you're working with a pediatrician who's, you know, trained in nutritional medicine and he's working with kids with autism and they start talking? And she said, yeah. I'm like, wow. I still I still was thinking, yeah, yeah OK, you know, kind of in it, one ear, out the other. OK, yeah, I'm here to do this. I'm just going to stick to. But as the convert over the two years, we got to know we all got to know each other. We got to discover some, you know, some of the mums who had emergency C-sections whilst they're on the court and, you know, how it all went not according to plan. And then they were taking probiotics. This was the early days. Right. This was when probiotics, the microbiome was all very exciting and new and something magical and what have you. And so through that journey and understanding that actually what I got myself into was way bigger than what I thought I was getting myself into. And f then I, you know, qualified and then started to practice in New York, then moved back to this country when I was pregnant with my first child. And from there on, it's just been, and I, you know, I thought, do my master's, set up practice, that's it. But you know what? This journey never ends. You're always learning, always learning. So what I school did you, what school did you qualify from in the, for the nutrition therapy? So the one, it was, well, it was um, Bridgeport University. So they do oh. also a naturopathic sort of doctorate course, a ah, five-year right. course. Yeah. Um, and they had, you know, they had some brilliant lecturers. I'll never forget one of the teachers was a chiropractor. And um, he put up a slide on the screen and he said, right, does anybody recognize the ingredients? And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I recognize those ingredients. And, um, but, and he said, and so I put my hand up, said, yeah, I recognize them. He said, so, okay, where do you recognize them from? And I said, I used to use them in the lab. And he said, okay, so what, you know, what did you use them for? So I explained that when I do, you know, make gels that we used to run the DNA samples on and there's formaldehyde, there's all these. And I said, um, and he said, how did you use them? Did you wear gloves? Did you wear, you know, I said, yeah, the formaldehyde we used to, um, had to weigh it out in a fume cupboard and wear, you know, gloves and a, and a mask and everything. And he said, okay. And then the next slide, and, and then he said, do you know where they found? And of course, all the, some of the students are saying, yeah, yeah, you know. It was like, well, I didn't know what they're talking about. So he puts the next slide up. He said, this is also in, in some of the thinking. Nah. See, I was still thinking, okay, I've, either I'm in a cult or I'm just not with the program. Not that there is a program. There's no program to be with. But it was, it was just eye-opening. And so I think I used to come home every weekend to, and David would just, go, and you know, it's just because it was just too much for me. It was, and I'm thinking, well, why doesn't everybody know if this is truth, if this is real, why doesn't everybody know about this? Anyway. It sounds like in your mind, it sounds like in your mind, you had two worlds colliding from what you've learned and then you had what you're learning. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, and I, and I also have to say, I did moving over there was a big challenge in itself because it was winter. I, anybody who knows me knows I don't like winter, although I know seasons are important. Oh, New York, uh, winter, New York's nice. No, I've, I've know, been there. It, it was nice, but I think going in winter 
rather than and ah, they do they two have, hours journey as well right yeah and they but they have the i mean when spring came spring came when summer came summer came it's not like here where it's all kind of blended into you know it, it was beautiful and it felt like we were there just shy of three years and it was felt like a bit of a holiday because one i was on a journey of this discovery of nutritional medicine and okay does that mean but everything i learned for example when i did my degree when i did my master's we learned the Krebs cycle, which is kind of the cycle that sort of eventually produces ATP, which is our currency of energy via the electron transport chain. And I don't want to go into too much detail, but I learned the Krebs cycle inside out when I did my degree. I knew every single substrate in that Krebs cycle. But when I did my master's, the nutrition master's, and then we did the Krebs cycle, I had no idea that toxic elements can block the Krebs cycle that B vitamins are important for the Krebs cycle, glutathione is important for the Krebs cycle, your gut health is important for the Krebs cycle. It was like... Yeah, like why hasn't this been applied to my master's but it's been applied to my right? degree? <laughs> right, so, and even now, you know, when I look at some of the courses, so my older son has been doing, um, he's done a year at, at a university, I'm not gonna mention it, but he's doing a year in sports nutrition and sports science. Oh my God, the, the, the curriculum. I just, you know, can you imagine adding in all the Krebs cycle and all the stuff about the chemicals and the, you know, the cofactors and how minerals are important and, and the salt, the importance of salt and cell salts, you know, all of it. It could just, anyway, that's me. I get sidetracked. So long story, we did end up, so I ended up running a practice. So I started practice in New York. Then I moved here, started practice here. And I also started teaching in various nutrition schools. Um, really loved it and never looked back and have now, you know, started my own school. And when what the, and what I did notice though, Omar, over the, over the time, and especially being a mom and having had two boys and Mike, and you probably understand growing up in, in a culture that was, you know, very strict on girls, especially girls. You know, my, and I joke about this on my social media, you know, I've just posted a, a, a few days ago about, you know, when your parents say to you, you know, we'll arrange your marriage once you finish education and it's a photo of a really old, old woman. I was just thinking, you know, it was in a way, it was either, it's not either you, you get an education, it was literally you're being raised to be somebody's daughter-in-law and somebody's wife. And for some reason in my head, Wade, and I don't know why, you know, I, I am the oldest child, but in my head, I thought I'm not doing that for some reason. Deep down is that like, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm just not doing that. So when, so when my, but now raising two boys, you know, that are, again, you know, again, I've got two younger brothers and seeing the way how I, you know, I grew up as an Indian girl and they grew up as Indian boys we were treated very differently and it's nothing to and this is not about my parents this is just about the culture the way it was then yeah. um you know now you know when you have a boy when they used to have a boy they'd give out these laddus these sweet things saying we've had a yes. boy everybody would know that you've so had a in boy. my my culture is like because i've got two girls um and uh, you get a lot of meat and just give it to everyone <laughs> like a lot <laughs> and you know and i think and yet when you have a girl there's no ladoos, there's no sweets going around, right? And now I know it's different. There's a, I don't know whether you've heard of the pink ladoo charity. They're amazing. They So they make pink ladoos now for when the girls are born. So they give them out. I mean, there's also, but then now raising boys, I've had to do a lot of, 
this work here, what we call the inner work, you know, raising boys and also boys that are not, that are, have been, for me, challenging because for me, the teens were, you know, just never rebelled until later on in life. You know, it was all very good girl stuff, you know, A, A grades, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Now, having <clears throat> gone through that and also seeing practitioners, I also see practitioners in clinic who are really struggling with their health, but they're not looking after their health. They're looking after their clients. But what about us? The, us, We're human beings. Are yeah. we looking after our health? What are we doing? And that's why even with the school, the we've integrated the coaching because the first year is all about the self, your inner self. So it's called the inner coaching. It's about what is our, who, are, who am I? Who are you? You know, so a lot of students, when they join, we know what we want to do. When I did my master's, I knew I wanted to, I wanted to do nutrition, something to do with nutrition. What I was going to do with that, I wasn't really sure. So I didn't think about, I'm going to be self-employed. I'm going to do this, going to do that. It was just, this is what I want to do and then see what happens. But I think now a lot of people have this idea that, you know, I want to practice. I want to become a practitioner. A lot goes into becoming a practitioner, Omar. A lot, you know, first of all, it's about us. Yeah. Why are we doing this course? Is it really about becoming a practitioner? Okay, if we're going to become a practitioner, people are going to bring their stories. Where do we go? Where do those stories go in us? You know, how do they affect us? And do we believe that they're affecting us or not? And then some people will say, yes, you surround yourself. You know, you do visualization, surround yourself with light. You know, you prepare yourself before your client, before you have a session. Fair enough. And that does work you know, where you're mindful and then you have breaks in between. It's like counselling, isn't it then? It can become like counselling. I mean, I have to say with counselling, um, because my husband is a, a psychotherapist and he does counselling, there is a big difference. But they, you know, they are the ones who are really sort of need a lot more support. And even as coaches, you know, there's so much that coaching can do because some people will come for the nutrition. Absolutely. They'll come for the, I've got clients who will do the Dutch plus test. The D, they've already done the test, the Dutch plus the DNA, the microbiome, you know, the oats test, the mycotop, and they've spent thousands. Okay. And first of all, you've got to ask the question, where is that coming from? Why do we have the need to spend thousands on all these tests? There's anxiety behind there. You know, how do we then address the anxiety because part of it is if we can't if, if we don't feel safe how are we going to heal so and again i've got there's a blog on the school website called the cell danger response mm. and i don't know whether you've heard of robert navio's work his work is fascinating and part of that cell danger response is if your cells are feeling that they're not safe they are in danger it's for example you're in the kitchen you're having this session with me now. Somebody breaks into your house, in the door, through the back. They're taking your kids. You're not going to sit there talking to me, are you? You're going to go and chase them. You're going to get your kids back. You're going to run and fight. Yeah. It's the same with the body. The cell danger response, our cells are not going to just sit there and carry on producing ATP and thyroid hormones yeah. when there's somebody come through the back door and threatens you threatens you might be an infection it could be mold but it could be actually your mindset could be that you're feeling scared so it's addressing the whole person yeah, and i've and had a client who's actually i referred her on to a um a coach and um because i've been working with her for done a couple of sessions and you know 
her thyroid levels have come back within healthy range and her symptoms have improved after she's integrated the coaching alongside because she had this whole view this world view that the world is not safe and it wasn't obvious it wasn't like she's having panic attacks all the time but she had this thing that there's something not right there's something wrong and she was constantly your cells don't know the difference between a physical toxin so you know we talk about detoxing whether it's physical whether it's mercury or whether it's mold or whether it's a toxin where you're thinking okay are my children okay they're not home yet you know just all those thoughts okay so toxicity can come into many forms so uh, what is toxicity exactly for people that don't know because when i first looked into it years ago i used to just be like oh that's poisonous and then they'll just be like well i'm eating it i'm not dead so then i've changed my word it's like oh that's toxic and they're like okay but i'm still not dead right now and this is what we're talking about earlier about oh people are thinking about the right now not the later on yeah, so, um, so if if you could explain uh, to listeners what is toxicity okay so because <laughs> you've just mentioned that it can come in many yeah, forms it could be I'm toxic just... thoughts toxic yeah. if it's cells don't know the difference yeah and you're you're absolutely right because you're saying you're thinking of something that's much more acute that's poisonous and you can you know like for example getting food poisoning look at the reaction people have when they get poisoned by food your body is then reacting to it because it's then detoxing the throwing up the diarrhea the pounding headache the you know the sweating that's your body detoxing it's trying to clear it out so anybody who's been food poisoned they know okay now you've then got other toxins which is something that the body perceives as not as foreign okay it's something that's foreign to the body it says okay this is not me this is not something that i recognize and so so you've got some toxins that are at a much lower level and they can just persist in the body yeah your body might produce a reaction um you know for example somebody might have had I don't, I really don't want to go particular route because it's not what it's about. So what toxin shall we, what should we use as a, as a toxin? Um, aspartame. Okay, let's, aspartame. Yeah, aspart. Okay. So say for example, somebody has aspartame and they're, but some people I say they're absolutely fine with aspartame. They don't have any reactions whatsoever. I have aspartame. I will get a migraine. It Within, within an hour, I will have a migraine. And I know when something's got aspartame, it's like my body, I can sense it really weird but I, I that's what happens to me now if somebody's having a spotting and they're not reacting it doesn't mean it's well healthy it's not okay it's made in a lab I always say you know if it's made in a lab we've really got to question it and we're putting it in our body okay now but if somebody's having it continuously and over the years it's going to go somewhere the body's going to be trying to f- clear it out it's working with it because it's not natural now so say for example you have a spa team and you don't react to it i do that just shows it doesn't work for me my body's saying straight away it's not good for me because it's clear for you you might think oh no and you're fine with it and you take it for years and years but aspartame is now also known to affect the microbiome so it may be later on 10 years down the line you might have an autoimmune condition. I'm not saying I'm putting it down to aspartame because people are going to start saying, I've said aspartame creates autoimmune conditions. <laughs> I'm not saying A creates B because it's all, most chronic conditions, actually, well, I think all of them are um, 
multifactorial. Okay, so so over the years, it's going to affect your well-being, but it's one factor. So that one, so it's like a bucket. Imagine a bucket that's filling over the years. Okay, so a typical example is like you know, um, I heard um, Dr. Brady talk. I mentioned this uh, again in June, where uh, the the Gonzalez um, team came as well to speak, and he said. It is not a given now that you have a, a healthy baby is not a given. And, you know, sitting there and thinking it was actually like a slap in the face because I never saw it. I do see unhealthy babies. Absolutely. Eczema, asthma, reflux, silent reflux, um, you know, can't sleep, colic, irritable, all those. That, But the fact that he's it, it's just when he said it. And if you, I don't know whether you've heard him speak live. I, lo I love the way he speaks. I've heard him on a podcast. I'm like, mate, I wish I could be like you. Like, so straight to the point. Like, he doesn't give a crap what anyone thinks. He's, know, like, he he's like, yeah. this is how it is. This is what you need to do. And this is what's happening. And that's yes, it. I love it. Right. I love it. <laughs> and, you know, I, he was refreshing in that respect. Because I thought, you know, he, and he's Italian. Because he, he says that. He said, it. you know, I'm Italian, so you'll get passion. And he's great. He's incredibly inspiring as well. But what, and also he, he was research paper after research paper, you know, he's quoting, backing up everything that he was saying. And I thought, you know, he said, now think about it. And it's true. You know, when mothers fall, when women fall pregnant, he said, they need a year now to detox, a whole year. He said, he said to have a healthy baby now, and this was him, you need a year to detox. And I'm thinking, okay, but if you think about it, if you're born in a generation that's grown up with antibiotics, then you went on the birth control pill or then you had antibiotics for acne and then you went on the birth control pill and then you're not exercising. You know, fair enough that I, I totally get that. But what he's saying is that now babies, when they're born, they might have reflux or they might have um, they get an infection. They get bronchiolitis. They're given antibiotics or they're given Gaviscon. And then as they're growing, next thing you know, they have another antibiotics because of gone in ear infection. And then. Um, you know, then they might getting they might have certain allergies to certain foods or they've got eczema, then they put on um, antihistamines because the itchy skin. So so that's like the bucket is filling. The bucket is filling. Now, once the bucket overflows, that's when the body's like, this is chronic now. The bucket's been filling since the day you were conceived. But I've been throwing out all these symptoms saying, knock, knock, you know, can you please can you address this? Please, can you address the fact that you are, you know, um, not hearing me when I'm crying, being a baby or whatever, you know, being left to left to cry it out or what have you. Or, you know, knock, knock, your birth was traumatic. Go and talk to somebody, you know, not just, OK, I've got over it, I've taken, you know, a homeopathic pill or I've done this and that's fine. But actually really address the root cause. With detox, your liver, your kidneys, your skin, your sweating, they do it every day. Your body's amazing. We don't just keel over and die just because you've had a Spartame, Omar, or I've had a Spartame and I got a migraine. I get a migraine. My body said, OK, I don't like that. It's not for you. Can you stop taking it? I could keep taking it. I think, oh, yeah, I love diet, whatever. And it's got a Spartame or these sugar free ones. But then I can take a paracetamol. You know, I can take a painkiller and I can carry on. And I might have not made the connection either. Some people haven't made the connection. But what happens is once you've got to that tipping point, then they come they come and see a practitioner or they, you know, they, they've got a chronic condition. Autoimmune, I mean, autoimmune conditions are, are now on the rise. I mean, I've never seen so many autoimmune conditions that I have in the last year.
My last guest, her name's Rachna, and she talked about her rheumatoid arthritis and how she changed it. She went to remission by her diet and lifestyle. And I've got another friend who's got um, an autoimmune condition where she has to go for injections every week just to yeah. keep it under control. So um, it's definitely on the rise. And yeah. and never it never used to be this big, like, I don't know, 20, 50 years ago. I'm not yeah. sure what the time frame is, but I don't remember it being this big. And, and I say I'm 33 now, so in the last 10, 15 years, I've never heard it being that this big. And you're 33 and you know about Ars Chiefs, hey? That's that's really great. Yeah, know. yeah. When I was in primary school, it was a cool thing to do. Just ah. ask Jeeves or something. And the, we had computers in primary school, so. Right. Do you know, I, I and, and I think, and that's the power, right? The power of the body to heal when you've, because, you know, I get people with, they come with, with autoimmune conditions. Hashimoto's, the one with thyroid issues. It's so common, but. It, it's absolutely, and I say inverted commas, because the antibodies, the antibodies there are the antibodies there, but you can support the body to bring the antibodies down. And it, I've even had women who were put on thyroxine, who've actually come off thyroxine with their doctor support because they're working on their health. And it's possible as long as your thyroid still is producing the hormone. Okay, but I think we, as the toxins build up, they are then impacting the body. They're stressing the body. And it's like you trying to work at home. You're trying to run it. So if I'm suddenly, you know, you've somebody's come into your house, you're then trying to, you're trying to do the podcast with me and you're trying to grab the, the person who's come and taken your children and you're trying to do the podcast at the same time. Something's going to give. You're going to yeah. collapse. Something's going to give. It's the same with the body. When the body is trying to do everything at the same time, it's going to give. And when it gives, it can be an autoimmune condition. It can be cancer. It can be um, eczema. It can be asthma. It can be any of those conditions. And that's why toxicity is so important, isn't it, to think about? Because all these issues can happen. Um, also, I would like to speak a little bit, a little bit more about aspartame because obviously it was been in the, in the, the who mentioned it recently and is on social media about uh, being, uh, I think, potentially cancerous or something like that. So the, the, the feedback that I get from others is saying that, well, you'll have to drink a lot of it to get cancer, but it's not just the cancer you need to worry about. It's all the other things that you mentioned, right? Yeah. And, and you know, Omar, it's, it's a great question, but at the moment, if there's no, you know, and this is also, I have this thing in my head, you know, when you said the two worlds colliding, sometimes if somebody says, you know, it, you know, even sometimes a student might say, so you know, is that A, A equals, B, you know, A plus B equals C. And it's not necessarily A plus B equals C because our bodies are incredibly complex. And so, yes, aspartame, but who's going to prove that aspartame actually causes cancer in a few sittings of, you know, with, with taking aspartame? It's the long-term buildup and it's that bucket. So if somebody's having aspartame every day, but 100%. they are living a mindful life. They're eating well. Well, somebody has a spotting. Could they be eating well? I don't know. Say if, they, say if the only thing that they're having is their absolute aspartame drink every single day, but otherwise they're eating really well. Okay. They're meditating. They're looking after their health. They're doing all the intermittent fast, whatever it is nowadays, it's the trend. And they're also genuinely looking after their health. Would they get cancer? Probably not. Okay, because actually, there it, it's not one thing. It's it's multifactorial. So that's where with research we have to be really mindful when we look at. You know, it's like when we take vitamin C out of context. 
Where in nature do we only get vitamin C? Only get ascorbic acid on its own? We don't Nowhere. because it's been extracted from the outer shell of the um, whole right. vitamin C. So when COVID happened, and I, I was following a, a nutritionist called Patrick Holford, I don't know if you know of him. Yeah. And um, he did a lot of research openly saying how vitamin C, and that was ascorbic acid. But from what I understand is in emergency situations, that can help. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm not saying, I'm just saying that in when we're, when we're looking at research articles, so when we look at the science, sometimes you have to ask the question, okay, how, how does this work in a holistic way, which is really difficult to do in science, right? How is anything holistic in science? Because if you're going to look at red meat, the impact of red meat on colon cancer, okay? But who's, who's the person, who are these people that we're testing the red meat on? And where is their red meat from? How do they digest the red meat? What was their microbiome like before we actually gave them the whole population of, of people red meat versus vegan diet? Um, there's so many factors that yeah. we cannot really take into consideration when we're doing kind of human population studies. So that's yeah. why bigger studies are important and keeping an open mind, because when we take one, you know, one paper that's suddenly blown out of proportion in the media and everywhere else, we've got to ask the question, OK, let's step back. Let's have a look. And it's the same with vitamin C. OK, you've got ascorbic acid. What is vitamin C? It's an antioxidant. Now, you've got if you look at any standard sort of antioxidants on the supermarket, on good supermarket shelves, you know, good brands, you will find they'll probably have A, C and E and selenium. It's because they all have to. They all kind of it's that redox oxidation cycle. So they've all got to then keep recycling. So this it's the it's the bigger picture. Yeah. Definitely. Does definitely. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, detoxification pathways, because I know there's stages, aren't they? Yeah. Um, how many stages are there? And what is uh, a, de a detoxification? Is, is there a lot? Is, have I opened a can know, of worms? No, no, no. You, you haven't opened a can. Do you know, the thing <laughs> is, at the moment, it's really fascinating because we are definitely, so, you know, we. I'm really absolutely passionate about detox. And I say this to, you know, to the students as well. And I always say this to my boys as well, because when they, you know, teens and whatever age they are they're going to go through that junk food everybody it's cheaper to, you know it's cheaper to buy a can of uh, coke or whatever than it is to buy a bottle of water you know all that sort of stuff now with detox with detoxification first of all we've got to remember we do it through sweating right we do it through drinking water we do it at kidneys you know they're, they're like filters so there's loads of different ways our body detoxes one of the key detox organs is the liver and that's why, you know, when some people are put on certain medications, they've got to look out for the liver. They check liver enzymes because the liver is very important in detoxing your medications, in metabolizing your hormones. So that is generally a very, very important organ. But then I don't want to make it like oh, it's more important than the microbiome or it's more important than the kidneys. They all work together. Well, now, it's the only organ that regenerates itself, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So um, and in, so in detox, you've got phase one, phase two phase two and a half and phase three. Now, the phase, you've got to work, it's like, imagine you've got your, your gutters, right? I'm pointing there because we've got the, you know, the houses there. Um, you've got, you know, your, your bathroom, the shower or whatever, and then you've got the drain pipes, the shower, the water runs through the drain pipes, comes out through the outside drain, you know, out into the drain pipe outside, into the gutters and out. Now, if you think of detox, you've got to, first of all, we work backwards, phase three, phase two and a half, 
phase two, phase one. So phase three is the pooping. Yeah, are you pooping? Because if you're not emptying your bowels, if you're not urinating, you're going to get backed up. Yeah, yeah, um, so yeah I want to say like my my daughter um, does ask questions and I, she said, oh, I have to go to the toilet now. I was like, it's a good thing. It needs to come out. And like, <laughs> I think I think um, sometimes she I think because she's only five oh. and uh, and uh, I'm trying to educate her like, you know, you should eat this and you should eat that because of this. I don't give her too much because but um, she does say, oh, um, um, I've eaten this, but uh, it's, it's going to come out right as well, right? I was like, what? I was like, yeah, your body's going to take the good things and take out the bad yeah. things. That's the main yeah. thing. As long as that's happened, that's fine. And yeah. she does get worried about that. I was like, look, don't worry. It's just a part, it's just part of the process, what you talk yeah, about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? It, it's the thing is, and again, how many kids nowadays are constipated? How many kids are on Movicol because of constipation? And again, we've got to ask the question, why are they constipated? What is behind that? And you know, again, what to talk about? The nerve, the second brain is in the gut. So our nervous system is in the gut. What is going on when that child became constipated? What was going on? You can even go back to something like birth trauma. Okay, so so phase three is pooping. So if mm -hmm. your drain pipe, if your drain, your outside is blocked, you, everything's going to get blocked up. Then, so that's your your pooping, your sweating, so all your external channels, yeah. Phase two and a half is your bile, your gallbladder. And that is just more recent. Um, and I didn't even know it existed. I, I always go on about the gallbladder and bile. I bore the students to death. I bore people to death who, who are talking. And even we've got um, a webinar called The Dynamic Duo. Yeah, I'm going I'm to do, do it soon. But it's it, that's all. And it's not because, oh, yeah, let's just do a webinar for the sake of it. But it's so vital. Some And I've got clients who've actually worked on their bile, health of their bile, and they're pooping. That's so interesting yeah. because um, a couple of years ago, my uh, wife was having really bad pains around the stomach area and went to a hospital. And I think there was three specialists in front of us. They had no idea what to do. And it's so interesting. You have three specialists who have done, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that have done all the training and everything. They didn't know what to do. They did a scan. They found out that she had like five gallstones in there that were quite big. And, and then the doctor was like, you can, we can either do keyhole surgery to take them out yeah. It's up to you or we can just ride it out. And I said, well, what about, what about diet and lifestyle? And they said, um, she said, he said, uh, we did, we do have some, uh, it's basically just like word of mouth research that like people have said it where it's like yeah. a gluten-free diet might have helped. And, uh, and I said, all right, well, we're going to try that. And, um, mm -hmm. did that, we did that and it did help, but we went to see a homeopath as well. Mm -hmm. And he gave something and he was like, this will get rid of it. And we didn't have any issues since then, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I wouldn't say the lifestyle has changed at all much. So it's just a case of you're talking about, oh, why has it happened? If you're not going back to the root cause, then you're just asking for it to come back, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not necessarily asked. It, the thing is, you've got to ask the question, why did you have gallstones in the first place? And that, again, is quite common in the sense that when, when they go, so if you do a flush or whatever you do or detox, <clears throat> it's still addressed. What is the root cause? Is that it might be that you know your wife might be estrogen dominant, for example? Okay, or she it does might have be... a thyroid issue as well. Okay, so there's there's a bigger picture there, a bigger picture. I was going to say otherwise it could be apicorian, samosa, and all our you know fried foods that we love so much. But 
generally it's there is always a the, it, the, the body just doesn't produce gallstones because it doesn't have anything else to do it's like any other symptom right there's a reason for everything that happens right yes yeah and then it's then it's like going and again that's where you know the coaching is so it's going back and going inwards and say okay so what because sometimes you your body you will know why you've got the gallstones you might say you know also the the bladder is connected to resentment the gallbladder is connected to resentment as well is that so, in um, chinese medicine it's more in chinese medicine yeah and it's really interesting because you know we normally take somebody's very liverish you know like they we if they might be very angry or bitter and at the same time so the whole person is important but two so phase two and a half is the gallbladder because it's the bile and it's the bile also leaving so it's got to come from because the bile is made in the liver it's got to go into it goes into the gallbladder and it actually has to get transported from the liver to the gallbladder that's very important and then it sits in the gallbladder until the meal comes through until there's some fat and then it contracts now bile is very important the bile acids are very important um they help peristalsis and what is peristalsis gut contraction of the gut like that gut movement yeah okay. and that is and can you so can you imagine no gallbladder or really gunky bile you're not getting good quality bile you could become constipated because you're not getting that message to contract and then the bile also affects the microbiome further down so when you go up and then you go to phase two phase two is um so you've got phase one and phase two phase two is basically making the whole point is we're making something that's fat loving water loving so lipophilic to hydrophilic and phase one and phase two that's the purpose they phase one is all about oxidation and stuff and then phase two is what we call conjugation where you add on whether it's sulfur sulfation glucuronidation methylation so so then you're focusing on phase two then you focus on phase one the thing Amazing. is you can definitely speed up phase one when phase two is blocked so people will take certain supplements oh yeah i'm taking this for liver because i'm doing a detox and then actually they could be blocking the, because between phase one and phase two you've got like a a waiting room and once they've gone the chemicals like for example hormones right or some yeah. medication once it's gone through phase one it then sits to go into phase two now if your phase two is blocked it'll sit and create um free radical damage and oxidation and inflammation so you don't want that happening so you want to make sure that first of all your phase three phase two and a half phase two then phase one and okay. some people again that's the beauty with detoxing is you can do DNA testing now to find out your phase one enzymes, phase two, and that's what they're looking at with certain medications. Wow. So before prescribing medications, if they do this DNA testing, they can have a look at where is it that your detox is stronger or weaker, and therefore you're not going to be prescribed that medication. Or for me as a nutritional therapist, I can say, yes, you'd really benefit from these particular supplements for your, your detoxing. Okay. Um, and it's incredible and it's not a negative thing it's empowering because you know specifically how to work or that that client knows then okay they're not going to go to whichever health food store they go to and end up buying bucket loads of um vitamin c when yeah. actually they might really need uh, plenty of glutathione so it, it, it depends on each individual but that is you know and that is something that's very very useful definitely then you're not doing long term you are not doing harm 
Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, so, what kind of things can someone do to detoxify them if they, they if they're just at home and they okay they've they've listened to his podcast and they realize yeah. okay I want to start making changes. So, yeah. what kind of things can they do to start to so detoxify? So, the best thing to do is is first balance your blood sugar. Okay, your meals, all three food groups in your meals. Now, this gets so boring, and we again I say this all the time. Any nutritional therapist will, in their sleep will be able to tell you how to balance your blood sugar. It's like, it, it's just now, you know, kind of our natural language, our kind of mother tongue. Um, and balancing blood sugar, why? Because if your blood sugar is yo-yoing, so say if you had your, you know, your croissant with your coffee in the morning, there you go, you've spiked your blood sugar. And it's not about, and there's no judgment here. People love their croissants, they love their coffee, no judgment. It's what that does though, is it spikes your blood sugar. Then when the blood sugar is high, you start, your body's like alarm bells are going off because we don't want high blood sugar. High blood sugar is inflammatory and inflammation now is the big thing, isn't it? Everything is every, every chronic condition, every illness is the root causes of inflammation. I mean, that's like the next big thing, right? Inflammation, but it's yeah. not just inflammation. There's all, all sorts of other things, but if there's then high blood sugar, you get inflammation and you're doing this every day regular basis and then say afternoon you know here in england you have a 3 p.m or you know afternoon tea with a biscuits <laughs> you know it's that whole again another blood sugar surge um again you know i'm, I'm not just saying it's it's english thing indian you know you have your ladoos you have your sweets you know i know i've got relatives aunties who are auntie g's who are on um who've got diabetes they started off with metformin all the medications now they're on insulin because nobody's changing their diet nobody's changing their lifestyle and that's the big thing about um once uh, what i find is interesting is like uh in in the south asian community anyway they take um, metformin and whatever medication might be given to them and they're still carrying on how they've been living yeah. thinking that oh right. this is actually helping or balancing something but it's, and it's know, not and the, and the thing is omar it's again explaining right if you can if you can grab that person that patient or the doctor whilst they're in their surgery and say right these and show them pictures of what happens if you don't control blood sugar you know your toe can turn black or you might get, just really i think sometimes that works for some people not for some you know i'm not saying yeah. use scare tactics with everybody but i do i think what happens is and i know this from speaking to you know aunties and what have you they don't understand the complications of diabetes. They yeah, and just I think, don't understand. I think, like you said, seeing is pretty much believing. When I used to work as a court clerk, I used to be like, you know, the guy to say, all rise, and everyone would get up. There was a, um, I think he must have been like someone who was meant to be in the box to speak. He was in a wheelchair and he had no limbs and no fingers. And I was like, I asked a colleague, like, what's happened to him then? Oh, it's a diabetes case. I was like, what? I was like, what? Diabetes, you can lose your fingers and legs and toes and eyes eyesight yeah yeah, yeah. i had no idea and you, know, and you know omar and this is the biggest thing right balance your blood sugar okay balance your blood sugar your body will start detoxing because suddenly you've taken down the inflammation and the body it's like you you say you, you've got this person who's come through your back door God forbid, none of, none of this is going to really happen. I'm not going to bring it on either energetically. But, you know, somebody walks into your house through the back door. You're here doing a podcast, takes your daughters. And um, 
Why am I saying this? I've just lost my train of thought. Because <laughs> um, I, was, I was talking, I was talking about the guy that I saw in court, and he, he had uh, no limbs, no, and you were talking about eyesight as well from right. being diabetic. Yeah. And you were talking about how the body will basically detoxify itself. The inflammation. Itself. Thank you so much. So the inflammation. So you cannot function. You cannot do this podcast with me whilst you're trying to also get your daughters and run after this man. So something again, something's got to give. But if that inflammation goes down, in other words, you've managed to get your daughters back. The man's in prison or whatever, or re being. He's in the bin. He's in the bin. I throw him in there. (laughs) (laughs) So you now have got that energy now to come and sit back down and carry on with the podcast, for example, right? The same with the body. If there's inflammation because of this sugar yo-yoing all the time, your body's thinking, hold on, there's this robber in the back of my house taking my kids or whatever, that I there's no time to be doing the podcast. So there's no time for healing and repairing. I'm I'm here, I'm running for my life. I've got, I'm in survival mode. So if that inflammation carries on and carries on and carries on, it's creating toxins. It's making the liver work harder. It's making your immune system work harder. It's It's the whole shebang. And so that's why when everybody, you know, my ebook that I, you know, first it was a paperback and then I turned it into an ebook. It's all about blood sugar balancing and the impact on the adrenals, the impact on inflammation, because it's so simple. So once you balance the blood sugar, your body will say, oh, I've got to, I've got energy and I've got the resources to get rid of these toxins that have been sitting around for I don't know how long. So once you start doing that, then and drink water. And don't, and use real salt, not sodium chloride in the that is white and looks you know just toxic anyway. It looks like a, a drug of some sort. But use proper real salt. You know you've got the French one, Granada. So you've got the Himalayan salt. Um, you know it's it's about that's what it's about. First of all, removing the very obvious everyday toxins, and they come in our food and they come in our head you know so environment you know how do you wake up in the morning so that lady who had a really high cortisol awakening response you yeah. know what she said she said well in the morning because she said i'm getting the lunches together for the kids school got to drop them off at school then i've got emails to do when i get back because she works from home um she's running around like a headless chicken how can you change your morning routine just simple things so if her cortisol starts to come down by her just making simple changes maybe make the pack lunches the night before you know yeah. it's, it's what that saying always said when i was at university uh, fail to prepare or prepare to fail yeah. and it's true it's true um even what i've learned in my marriage like you know my wife is very organized and uh i'm starting well trying i'm getting there i'm not there yet but um yeah. i'm i'm making changes and like if you if i was doing this podcast this time last year i would have been that person headless chicken worrying about this worrying about that not um planning things around yeah. this podcast and yeah. not planning around the kids so we spoke about uh what kind of things people can do to detoxify um so that you know and omar not not just the you know sleep yeah. You know, yeah. also going to bed. So how are you going to bed? An hour before going to bed, are you switching off all the screens? You know, it's it, it's really is it I mean it's not rocket science. It's not, it's not and that that's why zebras don't go as ulcers, right? I love that book. I love that book. Yes. <laughs> if anybody who's listening, if you haven't read Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers, it's a brilliant read. It's absolutely and I think for the 21st century it's a it's a must. I'm just gonna do a quick bonus round. All right, so I want you to answer really quickly. You got like a second answer. I do this with everyone. It's not just you. What was your first job? 
Oh my gosh, I worked for a fast food place as a student. What, which one was it? It was a, like a, it's an indoor market. So it's indoor markets. So it's just, I can't even remember the name. It was okay. just so it's fast food for some small company. Cool. Uh, what three things can you not live without? Oh my gosh. I would definitely say family, friends, community, um, oxygen. I know I'm being really, you know, ridiculous Deep. here, right? <laughs> and then the other one would be a chai. Okay. What kind of chai do you like? Just a standard correct chai or normal chai or? I like with ginger, black pepper and the, um, the cardamoms. Oh, my mother-in-law loves that. I love yeah. them. It's got it, a nice it's just like, to it. That's like, yeah. And it gives, and it's like that warming, warming. And also we grew up on chai, you know, we had chai for breakfast. We had chai for evening after, you know, after dinner. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. I can't have chai. I can't have tea because I'll just stay awake for hours like until like three yeah very very um delicate to caffeine even when it's a decaf yeah. so, um, my dad randomly said as well like years ago said when he drinks tea he's up until like 3 a.m as well right okay so yeah yeah there's a, what's it called? a is that a myism is that what you guys call it in homeopathy is that what I it's called yeah but i don't know whether that's a myism that just could be the way you metabolize you know it could be also the tannin in the tea everybody yeah every that's where the beauty is about you know the biochemical individuality Okay, right? brilliant. Yeah. So, because some yeah. people can drink coffee as well at 8 p.m. in the evening. Oh, yeah. My wife can drink coffee 12. late in the night and she said she needs it just to make herself feel having a nice brew in the, yeah. in the night. I was yeah. like, but that sleep coach said the other day, you know what I mean? There's a sleep coach that says, oh, you shouldn't drink coffee late uh, in the night because, uh, and all this, but she can sleep like a baby. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's... it's so, so unique to eat. And that's the important thing is I think we've got people get, so, we get so stuck on, do this do and like you know and again you know people always have get clients saying oh i was following the parasite protocol so some parasite protocol and then um everything and you have a thing about protocols isn't isn't it but i think it's just because we're not we're not a, we're not a you know we can't be put into a box we're all so individual and it becomes more and more clear as well as you know the more and more clients have seen it's so clear but with so for example somebody did a parasite protocol and her hives all cleared up for about a year okay and then suddenly they all came back and they're worse than they were so what was that about you know there's no it's not just because somebody gets hives it doesn't mean it's a parasite issue but i think again we've got used to okay if we're doing if we're used to thinking the way traditional medicine works we just then use um, alternative medicine in the same way but then we become allopathic alternative practitioners <laughs> yeah what's That's the right. difference you which, know? Is, which is not what we are aiming for um okay so what would you, advice would you give to your younger self um gosh that's a i'd say just go for it you know and the thing is when you said that to me what advice would you give to for your younger self i thought about because we've said this to the boys we've actually said that what would we say if i was now your age what would us go for it because you know there was like oh don't you know this sort of shall i do this shall i do that just go for it go for what you want to want what you want to do because i think sometimes we just look back and think regret unless yeah. of course you had parents who said no this is what you <laughs> yeah i remember um so my daughter's starting to get good at really uh, drawing and when, uh, that's just like me my oldest was just like me and my youngest was just like my wife and we're like very very encouraging mm -hmm. so um you know, we're like, oh, so do you want to do art classes or anything like that? And like, whereas my parents were like, 
you know, stop drawing, you're not going to get anything from it. Yeah. And like, as I get older, I was like, bloody hell, like, you know, architects, there's artists out there who are actually enjoying life. Yes. Rather than just like stop with a nine to five. Do you know, Omar, have you, do you follow that, um, uh, the Indian comedian, but she's uh, in New York. She lives in New York okay. and we went to see her a couple of weeks ago because she was over in um, over in England yeah. and, it, and she was just hilarious. I think you Actually, posted her, you posted her. She was your... hilarious, Omar, okay. to the point where she did talk about uh, what you just said about, she goes, why would you want to be an artist? And she's talking about arranged marriages and she said, you can come to me, I'll arrange your marriage. Honestly, we were absolutely in fits of Is it laughing. on YouTube? Could I catch it on YouTube? No, that was live, right? So she, I don't think she, she would put that material on okay. YouTube. Okay, is she from New York? No, she's, oh. in, she's actually Indian. from India. And she oh, actually wow. done a, she's done a podcast with somebody where she said that if she, that actually she's had death threats from people in India for her mm. comedy. Wow, wow. But That's the thing, yeah. I, was, I was told the other day, like, you know, because they can see what I'm doing with the health spot stuff. And they're like, look, people are going to say that don't do it, wasting your time, just don't listen to them. And I was like, well, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, yeah, but and, we'll get... me and medicine is changing, you know, it's definitely changing. You go to these conferences now um, in functional medicine, they've got doctors there, they've got midwives there, they, it's changing. They, they have nurses, you know, all people from mainstream backgrounds who they will say themselves, I do not feel, you know, this is not what I signed up for. That yeah. they didn't sign up to write prescriptions or have five or ten minutes with their um, patients. And I think that's the other thing now. Those who are going into medicine, I wonder if they know, you know, what are they going to be doing after they've qualified? Yeah. Definitely. You know, how many of us have thought that far ahead? Once I've qualified, okay, you might be guaranteed a job if you're going to be a doctor because we're, you know, bringing in doctors from all over the world now for yeah. the NHS. But what is it that you want to do once you've qualified in medicine? Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. What is your favorite meal? Um, I know this is going to be hilarious. I love roast dinner. Oh, so do I. So do I. We, used to, have, we used to have one like twice a month, every Sunday. Um, it's it's a bit, calm down yeah. a bit because we've just been busy, but yeah. um, we'll probably bring it back up soon. Yeah, I mean, yesterday, I, so this weekend, my husband was away, my older one was uh, doing double shifts, so I, I still made a roast on Sunday, and it was me and my younger one. We both sat down and had a roast, and my husband got back, yes, and he said, you had a roast? <laughs> for two, I said, I love, I love a roast, yeah, you know yeah, I love yeah. a roast? It's, it's so comforting on a Sunday yeah. as well. I just love yeah. it, and uh, my, my daughter loves it, and my wife, we all love it, so uh, yeah. it's, 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 it's something... To, something to do together as well because these days everyone's so busy i know i talk a lot about um with my clients as well like you know I do things together it's yeah. really important because um we we work in silos in our day jobs and then it's like we work in silos in our at home as well which you know i've learned a lot over the past couple of years living in a divorced household and everyone doing their own thing and now i have kids myself a wife as well you start to realize that oh this this is actually really important because Absolutely. um when they when my kids grow older they, they i don't want them to be like oh being together doing things together is not important yeah yeah and meal time is important isn't it it's just it's like now we 
you know, I do actually cherish the time that we've had together, sitting down, everybody together to have meals, or, although they can be quite stressful, you know, when they're younger, I don't want to eat that, eh, he threw food at me, you know, <laughs> and it can become a bit stressful, but I'm so glad we stuck it out rather than say, oh my gosh, go and eat in your, you know, like, I'm not saying that people do that, but go and eat in your room or you can go and eat on your own because it's so important. And now we do when we sit down and we have such a laugh, you know, so yeah. have such a laugh when you eat. And now we, the same children that were five now suddenly 20 and 16 and you can still have a good laugh at the dinner time but they will now eat everything as well which is wonderful. yeah that's <laughs> it appreciate it more yeah 100 yeah. percent um your favorite book gosh that's a really difficult one you mentioned a book earlier at the beginning um the one i think you said um that made you start thinking oh time to heal yeah i think I that had that had a a really a, a profound effect on kind of the direction that I took in my life. Um, you know, I have to say I did love Of Mice and Men, even though it was a bit, it was quite uh, eye-opening, I think, especially at, in at what school way? as well. Just the whole hierarchy, the way the whole system was. And I didn't really, didn't really kind of connect it in the hot as the the bigger picture. And I do remember studying that at school thinking, oh, this is, you know, this is interesting. And then also it did kind of make me think about, for, again, I'm saying this to you being South Asian, it did make me think of the caste system as well. Because I remember in those days, I, um, when my parents used to talk about, oh, so-and-so's get, so-and-so's got, got um, arranged, them, their, her marriage has been arranged. And, um, and oh yes, he's from X, Y, and Z. And X, Y, and Z was the religion the um, area and the caste and I remember when I read that book thinking it, it's so true to life yeah yeah, yeah. it's crazy it's yeah. crazy um what is your what's the current book you're reading I do not read a book okay. I read books um your favorite place to visit Oh, I thought you actually froze then because you weren't moving. No, just in my favourite place to visit. Do you know, we've just been to um, Lisbon and we absolutely fell in love with it. Wow. And I wouldn't say that it's a favourite, but it was one of those places where you said, because I don't know if I've been some, I'm not necessarily the type of person to go back to that place. Um, but we said we've decided to go back because it was that, I don't know, just just the culture, the and the weather was perfect. It wasn't too hot, too cold, but also yeah. just the history as well. We, we had, we, I think we made the most of the time we were there as well. But um, I would say New York is a, you know, I love New York. I'm not so, so sure post, not so sure post COVID, but yeah. really, really wonderful city, wonderful place in Manhattan. What are your top three supplements for detoxifying from toxicity? It's a hard okay. one because I know we, we talk more about lifestyle changes, you know but, yeah. but what kind of things would you say would assist? Because um, we okay, uh, I know. Can... So, so, oh, so from that question, Omar, that see my my instantly I go to okay, who's this person? Okay, okay. so that's so the first thing as soon as you ask me that question, I'm thinking who's this person? Now, if this person is not pooping then I, I wouldn't recommend, a, you know, I would get sort out why they're not pooping. So supporting phase three, if the person is pretty healthy, um, doing well, 
then maybe you know adding something like glutathione because glutathione is you know it's the most potent antioxidant and if you've got more oxidation because you're detoxing it will support that um maybe making sure that they see again supplement wise you know milk thistle can be really great um as a and also my big thing would be how do you support the gallbladder because i'm i really do believe more people have gallbladder issues than we thought that don't because people usually wait till they're symptomatic to address their gallbladder but i think that that plays a really crucial role in not just bowel movement but in detoxification what kind of signs what kind of signs can someone like think about um, when they think about gallbladder issues the most common ones are usually you know having that pain right hand side or you know or waking up in the night thinking you're having a heart attack and it's shooting up your back as well you know between the shoulder blades that's gallstones okay that's where the, there's blockages and there's lots of inflammation going on but if yeah. somebody's you know if they're not if they're constipated they don't have regular bowel movements or they've gained weight and they don't know why or they've got weight around the middle like a, you know like the beer belly um or if it's women they've got cycles that are um not regular but they are actually struggling with a lot of pain so or uh heavy periods in men and then again if you think about it and and generally if people are eating a lot of fried foods you know, does so that include processed foods as well yeah so it, well processed foods generally across the board for any any stage of detox but yeah. if you think about um what is it that makes your gallbladder or uh, gunks up your bile and it would be any of those food the foods that aren't foods that aren't foods Brilliant. But, but i think things like you know having um ginger in your meals you know having herbs and spices because they can also help detox without adding in strong supplements um you know there's quite there's a big thing now with um with the gallbladder and d-limonene which is like lemon essential oil but you know, again, it's individual. I've had some. I actually had a client who read up somewhere about delimining, took delimining, and came out in hives all around her mouth. Yeah. So outside, you know, by her chin, and so, and it was a reaction to the delimining. So every, it's really hard to say what what would I suggest, mm. um, and any kind of whole food that's yeah. you know maybe something like spirulina or chlorella. Again, you again. I would just say it does really Depends. depend on the individual. Okay. It's cool. a really hard one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. What does health mean to you? Do you know, and this isn't my quote, but I love it because it's true. Health actually, to me, and I really believe this because I see it, and I can see when you get, people get stuck. It's the ability to adapt to change. So whether that change is your body adapting to an environment that's it's that's more say in inverted commas more toxic or more healthy, it's the ability to adapt. You know, being even like being spontaneous or just having that flexibility. Yeah. So that's it, both physically and mentally. You know, Definitely. so that um, shift, yeah. Brilliant. And where can the listeners find you? Okay, so they can find me on. Um, I think. So there's two two places. One is the New School of Nutritional Medicine, which is newschoolofnutrition.com. And we've got a Facebook page and we've got an Instagram account and we've also got a YouTube channel. And the other one is Dr. Kushmark, which is on, on Facebook. 
and my website, drkushmark.com, and also on Instagram. I do want to add, which is really important because it is it is clear on my website, but some people are getting confused. I am not taking on new clients. So I've got a team that is taking on new clients. I am seeing old clients that are returning and current clients. Um, and that's it for now because I'm really, you know, it's, it's since COVID, it's gotten really busy. Yeah. And I think that that was the other reason is, you know what? We need more practitioners out there who are practicing because there are people. And since COVID, you know, people, there's people who are on more medications now. They've got gut issues, you know, long haul COVID. So those are the places. But generally, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, post a blog every now and then on Facebook or on Instagram. And then we've got regular posts on the school um, social media sites. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. Had to abruptly end this call by this point as Kush had a call and had already given me two hours of her time. Hope you enjoyed this episode and we got many more coming up. So please, can you like, share, follow and subscribe and we'll see you next time. Speak soon. I, I